0: All right, everybody, welcome to The Calling Vision, where we explore how you change the world by aligning and partnering with the vision that is calling you, the vision that has selected you to bring it into form. This is Bebe Harding, your host, and today I have as my guest, Monica Gatta Hendricks. Welcome, Monica.
1: Hi, thanks, Bibi, for having me.
0: Oh, thank you. So just to give you, by way of introduction, a little bit about Monica. Um, she and I share a couple of uh, experiences, let's put it that way. Uh, she and I are both graduates of the equine self Coasting Method. Uh, the difference is Monica is a recent graduate, whereas, and she's going to be practicing, whereas I am an old-time graduate, and my work with the horses is in the etheric realms rather than on the physical realms. Um, she's also a member, both of us are a member of the Groundswell University, and where we've had you know weekly conversations, discussing you know how to make the world a more aligned and um, you know better place in a way. So I've come to really appreciate you know how Monica articulates her thoughts, and I really appreciate that she doesn't take herself seriously. So it's found on her thoughts and health up now. So um, I've really appreciated that. So some of the things that I've learned about Monica and my connections with her, that she's a really busy person. And among the things that she's done is she's got three working organizations that she's got, um, that she attaches her name to specifically. But I know that she's got a lot of things that she does in the background. But her three organizations that she's got are um, Hendricks Consulting, which is kind of the culmination of, well, culmination may not be the right word, but it's 20-plus years of experience as a licensed um a licensed clinical social worker no that's not right you're a therapist I, i'm getting it backwards i'm going to say i think of it because you stated in your on your website that you know you work with communities and individuals and so you know i get to, in my mind think of that as as social work as opposed to being a therapist but you're a licensed marriage and family counseling service <laughs> so i'll get i'll get it right here monica
1: that's okay
0: <laughs> yeah. The other thing is that, you know, she's just now starting her, her new business with the, um, the horses. And so that one is called Spark Equine. And she's got two horse partners, um, Gus and Farlene, and two dogs who are part of the program here, Remy and Elle. And what she wants to do is create, you know, opportunities that help empower individuals and spark the fire that burns within them. So one of the things true that about, uh, Monica's that, She's got a good relationship with fire, it appears. Um, the third one is that she's got a a new foundation that she's really got launched off the ground, and that's called Finding Freedom and Fire Foundation. And that's the opportunity to um, get the funding that a person might want to have in order to seek the interventions that they want for their own wellness. And that includes both the allopathic and what you know is called complementary medicine or alternative medicine in the world. So one of the things about Monica is she's deeply committed to you know working with um feeding healthy minds and bodies but working primarily with uh, people in the healthcare professions first responders and women in leadership. And she's been doing this for you know quite a while actually. So one of the other things that I want to bring forward in, introducing Monica, I was telling you about her relationship to fire, is that she's got this great thing on one of her websites. um, And it's the end of a poem that's by Judy Storm Brown. And it says, we only need to lay a log slightly, uh, lightly from time to time. A fire grows simply because the space is there with openings in which the flame that knows just how it wants to burn can find its way. And I thought when I read that I went, oh my God, that is so beautiful. So Monica, welcome. Is it, do you feel like I covered everything about you that's important to know or do you think I left something out?
1: No, that's, um, thank you for such a gracious opening and golly, it sounds crazy when you put it that way. Um, the only other thing I'll add is that I, part of my connection to fire is really, I'm a proud fire wife. My husband is a first responder firefighter, we are a FIRE family in the broadest term, um, you know, and that's by extension, everybody else um, that is part of our family in that community. So, yeah, proud to be part of that. And and thanks for having me.
0: Mm, thank you. But one of the things that, you know, I've read about you was kind of like, I'm going to call it your wake up call. And you share your story in what you call your big why. And I was wondering if you'd like to take a few minutes to share about your big why.
1: Yeah, so my big why, my big why for moving me into the equine work specifically, I've been a therapist for 20 plus years, um, and always been delivering trauma focused therapy, I've always had a really um, high acuity level population, I've worked with specifically children and families, and I am a child from a system that struggled um, with addiction and mental health, across generations, still does. Um, And so a big piece of my driving force why I went into the psychology world, and yes, I'm kind of a natural social worker, um, is from that, I think, my own even unconscious healing journey. Um, But then a few years ago in particular, I was entrenched in all of the stressors that have been hitting us for years, um, including the pandemic. And I found myself in the hospital. Um, I actually woke up in the middle of the night, thought I was having a heart attack. My husband was on duty and I had two little kids and thought, oh, this is nothing. No big deal. I'm just going to go to bed, you know, fall back asleep, which is what I would normally do. And I had a moment of clarity that told me I am not going to have my two children. I'm not going to, you know, think my way out of this and have my two children find me in the morning. Right. It was one of those moments where I thought I'm going to ask for help. Um, which is not how I grew up to be quite frankly, highly independent, um, take care of your own needs. And turns out I was having, um, all the symptoms of heart attack, but thankfully did not have one. I had more of a, a really big panic attack, which I'd never had in my life. Um, and I came away from that with a smack across the face that I was out of balance and that all of the things I was doing with other people to promote health, I had lost sight of myself and pivoted very quickly (laughs) um, away. I pivoted in my business model. I pivoted in, I went back to school, which was crazy for me to do at the time. Um, I just pivoted across my entire life vision, really. Um, So yeah, that's a quick version of it.
0: (laughs) when you sit, you know, looking at it in the context of like, you know, a vision is calling you, what would you say was the whisper that was coming across?
1: Um, to wake up. I was living, for all intents and purposes, a beautiful, fulfilled life. Um, and never felt, unha- I, I am blessed, I feel happy. 99% of the time always have, I really do, um, which people think is crazy, but. It was wake up. I wasn't present in my own body. And I look back and I realize my body was screaming at me for a very long time, up until that moment. And I was not listening um, because I wasn't grounded. I wasn't present and I wasn't tuning into what I know so well for other people, but for had forgotten for myself to stay in my own body to. Listen to what was bubbling up to slow down. Many, many things that are really just about my the somatics in my body were screaming at me.
0: Yeah. It, so you said that it specifically led to the Equine Gestalt Coaching Program. So what was it that that pulled you in to that particular program?
1: Well, um, I well I've always been drawn to horses. I, I grew up with family members who live in rent properties always felt very connected to horses. And um, again, as a trauma therapist, and I know, you know, neurotrauma is my background. And I know that the parts of the brain that we need to really look and work on for trauma is not the talk-based therapies. That's the part of the brain that goes away when we're in a trauma response. It just turns off. We go back into our survival brain. And so the methods that help survival brain include slower, more somatics, rhythm, drumming, animals, different energetic fields. They're not cognitive. And yet all of our therapies are cognitive focused, or most of them are cognitively focused. And so I thought, you know, I feel like there's probably a way out there to incorporate the healing energy of a horse with a different non-talk-based therapy approach. And I just went on a journey to find it. I thought it has to be out there. The equine field is buzzing with new therapeutic modalities. And so I found it. I just, I looked at a bunch of different models and I found EGC and I'm blessed that I did. I think it was a perfect match for what I was looking for.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that, um, knowing that, you know, the world of sculptors, and also, you know, even as a therapist, um, it's like, there's a lot of things that you've got to be willing to try and experiment. And one of the things that you shared about your um, your wake-up call was the fact that you had spent a big portion of your life as a, you know, a perfectionist, and and so the question I have on that is like, how were you able to make the transition of that experimentation, allowing that to to come forth when the the opportunity for failure was certainly prevalent? How were you able to, you know, get that to work?
1: That's such a brilliant question. Um, can I admit that I'm still getting it to work? Um, I, um, I, I I kind of jokingly call myself a recovering perfectionist because man is that deeply ingrained in me. And and I think with a lot of kids that come from my experience, which I was loved um, and all those things, I wasn't abused in any way, but I came from a system where my needs weren't first. Um, and so I learned really early that like achievement equals worth and succeed at all costs and rely on myself. And like, that's the perfect breeding ground, if you will, for perfectionism. So I have to say it's in my, my own DNA that I'm like unpacking still. So I can't say I'm fully recovered, but how did I pivot? Um, I don't know that I have an answer except to say I was so incredibly compelled to do something different that it was almost like there was no other choice left. If even if failure was on the run and I didn't like go small, I was like, let's go big. I like got a horse right away. We redesigned our property. I mean, I like went all in like a poker hand, um, which is not my norm. I would be more conservative, you know, less, you know, make sure it was successful. Um, so I guess my only answer cause I've never answered this before is there was no other choice. There literally wasn't, I knew that at that pivotal moment, I wasn't going backwards and I wasn't staying the same.
0: So, one of the, I really appreciate that. One of the things that I feel like I'm finding is that when you start paying attention to what's calling you, that there are some innate changes that start happening, like, well, okay, if I'm really hearing this call, maybe, maybe I could trust it. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it's not leading me down the primrose path. Um you know, there's an opportunity to evaluate, you know, courage to take the next step. I don't know. Do, do you find those similar kinds of thoughts that you know
1: pass through you experiences for yourself? I do. I do. You just said in such a beautiful way what I think sometimes in, and trust is really important to me. I don't I haven't ever found in my life that trusting others is very easy. Um, You know, I go so far. That's one of the things I've worked on in my own, you know, growth over the years. But I, I do think that I wholly trust myself. And I don't, I don't think that I can picture a time. Well, that's probably not true. But there aren't many times in my life, I could look back that I didn't trust myself. And that's what's been guiding me since I started to listen to what you call the whisper. I think my vision did start to call me louder. Like, no, you're not listening. Let's give you a wake up call. but once I leaned into that, I think I had the, I don't think, I know that part of the reason that I've kept going is because I actually really do have an experience trusting myself that, like, I can get through it. That's probably part of that <laughs> early childhood trauma. and um, But I do trust, and I'm just blindly going in and and trusting myself, which is nice to say out loud, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What a great acknowledgement to, you know, to be able to say that, um, you know, for you. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's like, all right, so you had like the EGC method to your program. And at the same time, somewhere along there, you also got the nudge to start your foundation. Yeah. And, and so it's kind of like what whisper is pulling you in on
1: that? Yeah, similar whisper. Um I, because of the work that I've done in mental health and social work for a couple decades, I've worked at the state level and nonprofit level, you name it. And I find that there's so many barriers, especially for children. But well, in general, I should just say there's so many barriers. The opportunities are right there and they lie right there for people and they can see them. But there's funding restrictions or regulatory restrictions. People can't get what they need when they need it or it's really, really hard to get it. And I just got tired of that. I think I came up, especially during the pandemic, when I witnessed how strongly mental health was being impacted. Um, And I just was witnessing over and over that we could not get people into care. We couldn't get services for people, not just even traditional therapy, but just all kinds, nutrition Mm -hmm. coaching, holistic health, um, and people were suffering. And I think the fire got lit in me where I was like, I'm tired of watching people suffer. So I created the foundation with the sole goal of taking my experience and and writing grants and finding funding for other organizations to build programs to do it for myself. So the goal is to find funding, write grants, get philanthropic donations, et cetera, to then scholarship them out so people can pay for the healing that they have found that they otherwise would have to forego.
0: Awesome. Um, So when you, when you did that, I know that, you know, part of what you focus on, especially for the, um, the spark is that, you know, you want to work with people who are in the healthcare industry, women in leadership, and at the moment, I'm forgetting the third one. Is that something that you're translating into the foundation also? Or is it even more open to those to other people? And then I guess I also have the other question about why those particular three groups of people? You know, what is it throughout your history that has made allowed you to choose those things? You know,
1: yeah, great question. So, first and foremost, the foundation is for anybody. Um, it could be an individual who applies for a, a grant for themselves, a scholarship for themselves. It could be a school district. I've had school districts apply because they want to bring. A certain type of after-school therapeutic program that they have no funding for, but they know that their students need it. So it really anyone can apply: communities, businesses, individuals, and not just um, you know my kind of niche, if you will. And why I chose so first responders, healthcare providers, and women in leadership, um, because that speaks to my heart as what I've lived for a really long time. Um, Seeing those populations need a little extra help. First responders, obviously, I'm a first responder partner, right? My, mm-hmm. And the level of trauma and vicarious and secondary stress that they carry on our behalf to be there for us, right? right. Uh, it, and they, quite frankly, across the nation, have really terrible health plans that don't tend to their mental health. And they bring all of the stress home into their families. They bring it home into their relationships. And we see relationships suffer. We see parenting suffer. We're seeing rises in firefighter suicides. I mean, it's just a huge, a huge need right now that I feel a calling to not just support, but bring some light to. Healthcare providers are right in that same bucket, especially after the pandemic. But we've got healers, right? We've got whether it be nurses and practitioners or healthcare providers like me doing mental health, we're holding everybody's medical and emotional trauma. And there's no outlet for that that's usually that sufficient. So I feel compelled to give it an outlet, right? And just be there for my people, quite frankly. And women in leadership are kind of like me too, in a lot of ways, they typically find themselves in a really high achieving world where pressure is intense, they're really striving for uh, excellence and it's hard to live a both and life. They don't take as many risks because of the fear of failure. They feel highly perfectionistic and under the gun. They might be bringing things home to their families too that feels like, ugh, you know, the stressors. So I feel compelled knowing that I do a lot of work with executive women, was an executive woman myself. I was a C-level employee for 10 years. Um, it was highly stressful. So. I kind of picked those because I just know, like, part of my calling was, in like, intimate knowledge of those needs, I guess.
0: Yeah. So when you're working with the people, especially, I'm thinking, you know, to myself about Spark Equine. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining you opening doors for people in a, in a way that they're not used to seeing. And um, talk a little bit around your passion about if people have healthy minds and healthy bodies, healthy spirits, that, you know, they can change the world. Do you you have a vision around Spark Equine that you would like to partner with in terms of changing the world by making people healthier in all those three areas?
1: I do. Um, It's so lofty, right? I don't want to play small. (laughs) And then sometimes I guess we have the question, like, who am I? Um, Maybe that's just a little voice in there. Um, but yeah, I think my one of my guiding premises is that when people are healthy, mind, body, and spirit, soul, heart, however you want to, however you phrase that, the world will change, right? We are all interconnected. Doesn't matter where we're from. Um, and realistically, I believe that when people are integrated in health, balanced through and through, they they. They live differently. They connect differently. They help differently. They have compassion differently, right? So there's something about helping others become more balanced and whole throughout their whole system that just creates a ripple. If just even helping one person, right, your sphere of control, that's how I feel. If I can help one person, that's change for them that's life altering. You know, people have helped me in that way in my life.
0: That was one of the things too. You said, you know, the ripple
1: is
0: <laughs> getting a little bit of feedback there. Um, you you have something on your website uh, about going down by the pond and throwing some rocks and and watching the ripple. That's not exactly what you said, <clears throat> but I remember thinking, oh yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Um, but I want to just go back for a minute. Like, it, let's assume that you had a cohort of people who were living in their balanced mental. Physical, spiritual um, way. How would you see that cohort, you know, influencing the world, rippling out, and how the
1: world would change? Mm. Um, I think. Well, I think energy is contagious. I think. I mean, we could say that forever. But if a, a small cohort of people found themselves in a in an elevated sense of health and well being whatever that elevation is, right, doesn't even matter the degree, they are more present and available to attune to those around them, whether that be their own children, whether that be their partners, whether that be their work environment. And, the you know, humans are interconnected species, like there's very few people that truly don't live in connection to some either one other person else, right? Like even off the grid people, there's some, there's some connection (laughs) to the land, the earth, another living being. Um, and so I really do believe that a cohort of people who find higher wellness for themselves and really get deep within that and get to healing. They just are more present and available to offer the space. You, you use that quote from my website in that poem, that space, where the oxygen can come in and other healing can take place around them. And I do think I think we could change parenting and the presence that we are there. I think we can change policy when people are aware. They might think differently for the global good or the you know the universal good. Um it just, I shouldn't say just it allows people to sit in a space of curiosity differently, a helping space differently. Um a more open space, and then I do believe that's magnetizing. I think that draws in the opportunity for the vision to call them to do the thing that would then ripple from them into another, call it a cohort, whatever, Um, Mm -hmm. creating that space. So it's kind
0: of like the expansiveness of the space allows Mm -hmm. people to find and attract different solutions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's backed by neuroscience. Like I, I have to go back to my neuroscience roots. Like the okay. brain itself is, is about wiring, right? We, we create neural connections with every thought, behavior, activity that we do. And we that creates a groove in the brain that's like a river going through a canyon. The more water that goes through it, the deeper the canyon, you know, groove. And then the faster the water flows, it's hard to divert that. So the more we can see and practice or behave from a sense of health, right, or healing or, you know, balance within ourselves, we create new neural connections and then we naturally see more opportunities because the brain is now wiring strong. We see more opportunities for help. We see more opportunities rather than deficit thinking. Actually backed by neuroscience. We can rewire our own brains through thought, practice, energy, intention. And so when folks are coming to a place of more balance, mind-body-soul balance, they're more available to themselves and others to to kind of keep that going. Those channels open in in others and themselves.
0: So, would you equate that? I mean, the name is um, that saying that a rising tide? So, in this case, the higher frequencies, you know, rises all the boats. You know, so to me, it's kind of like the the more expanded we get, the more that we're able to energetically. Uh, bring people together in that recognition of our oneness. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So I mean, that's one of the thoughts that, you know, just come to my mind. Um, I'm noticing that we are having quite a few technical difficulties here. And
1: uh,
0: <laughs> you don't get to say that out loud. Oh, darn it. <laughs>
1: <Pardon me? laughs> Not even that. Oh, I said darn it. And I. <laughs>
0: Look like you said something out for me. So, um, anyway, I just, you know, I'm looking at, um, yeah, I, I guess I just want to acknowledge that I'm experiencing technical difficulties in the clarity of being able to heal you, and I'm wondering, you know, what that's going to do as we play this back, you know, for the people. Um, so what's something that for you at this moment you feel? allows you to create, you know, building that community thing is one of the, you know, one of yours, I'm going to call it a specialty, because I'm also aware that, you know, you're doing things at the statewide level and what have you. Um, what are the things and the tricks that you've used to be able to develop the relationships in a bigger way than the average bear? I mean, I assume the average bear doesn't go around having the kinds of connections that you do. Um, so what are the things that you've done to support
1: that? Mm, That's a great question. Um, and I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. I, well, one, I think, uh, the perfectionist in me, I will give credit to, I like to be in the know. I'm an extrovert, so I definitely put myself out there, um, and, and enjoy people. I love people. Um but I like to be in the know. So I'm constantly looking at what's coming down the pipeline and what's interesting and what's budding and listening for what the needs are in a particular community. Um, So that's the first one. And that's just to feed my own curiosity, truly. Um, And then I really have honed, I think for the past 20 years, I've been practicing accessing my voice and my opinion. Um, And that was not always me. Um, I was the good kid. I didn't do a ton of bucking, you know, the system. Um, and I can't say that I'm the good kid anymore in that way. I will, I will, I found my voice. I, I wanna be the voice for other people. So that, that stance actually having a platform and an opinion to stand on has allowed me to find people that are willing to either listen to me or debate with me. And that's still listening <laughs> in some ways. Um, and that's created, I think, strong connections, shared respect, um, ruffled a little feathers, um, but also kind of gotten past some surface level discussions and, and piqued my curiosity in others and others, and led to bigger opportunities to meet different people that also had a similar perspective or desire to make waves, um, or just led to really fun, invigorating, passion-driven conversation that I'm like, I want to keep you in my wheelhouse. I just want to talk to you. Talking to you brings me alive. And so those are the two things I guess I could say. I'm really constantly interested and curious. I have a, a, a large, innate curiosity in me. I'm always asking. And I really like to get into deep conversations with people and And that just tends to build networks.
0: Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Uh, One thing I just really want to acknowledge what you just said there that was kind of like, oh, cool for me to hear, was that even when you're debating with another person, that that's a form of listening. You know, uh, and uh, that's something I never put together before. So, you know, thank you for saying that. Um, Is there anything else that you want to share with people that you feel would be an important opportunity to share a a particular message close to your heart.
1: Mm. I'll say the thing thing I say to most people um, after I get to know them a little bit and people ask me questions or I ask them questions. um, I am always interested in knowing what people's purpose is, you know, what they feel their purpose is Um, and I, think if we asked that more often or entered into dialogue or relationship more often realizing that there's a depth in everybody um we'd get a lot farther in our humanity and that might sound very pie in the sky I'm not and I you know I we all have judgments etc but two that allows me to keep constant the thing for me I've always stood in awe of and I stand in awe of people's capacity the human condition capacity for resilience like it's amazing and when I am struggling when I am stressed when I'm not at my best when I yell at my kids um (laughs) you know the things we do under stress um I do come back to that I come back that as a practice of gratitude and grounding that the human condition has an immense capacity for healing and resilience and I guess at the root of everything for my, if you call it my vision, my calling is hope, connection, joy. You know, those things are important to me and I'm just one. So I'll continue to just do that and hope everyone does, too. Yeah.
0: So you just brought up the thing, you know, like getting the question of what's people's purpose. How do? What do you say your purpose is?
1: My purpose is to, I don't know, how do I say that succinctly? My purpose is to live a life with compassion and humility. My purpose is to help just one. I mean, that's it. Like if I can help just one, even if that just one is my own family and raising my children slightly differently, giving them a little bit more um, voice and being seen and healthy family than I had. I mean, even that like just help just one. I think that's somebody's slogan out there. So I don't mean to copyright infringe, but <laughs> really, really, I that's my purpose. I just want to make a good footstep on this earth and do it the best I can and catch myself when I'm doing it the way I don't want to do it. Because we always misstep. And believe me, I misstep all the time.
0: <laughs> I can identify with that. So, Monica, if people wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, so they could go to my website, um, sparkequine.com, um, and they can find out all the ways to reach me there. Um, you can email me directly at Monica at sparkequine.com. Super easy. And golly, I would love that, even if it's just to say hello and that they enjoyed this conversation.
0: Awesome. Great. Well, thank you very much. I've really appreciated your time and our conversation today.
1: Thank you, Vivi. I appreciate being invited. This has been wonderful. All right. Thank you.